everybody, I'm Helen Tupper. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Squiggly Careers podcast and I'm here virtually, of course, with Sarah. Hi, everyone. And this is a very special episode of our podcast and one that we're particularly proud of and just happy that we're able to bring these conversations to you. In the UK, it's Mental Health Awareness Week and we wanted to find out how people are working on the front line. So whether that's doctors, teachers, carers or parents who now find themselves homeschooling and working at the same time, we wanted to understand a little bit about how their work has changed and how they're taking care of themselves and others during what feels like a really tough time. And all our episodes supporting Mental Health Awareness Week have been really kindly supported by the Boopa UK Foundation. The Foundation's a charity and their purpose is to help people live longer, healthier and happier lives, which sounds pretty good to me. And they fund loads of really practical projects that have a really positive impact on people's mental well-being. So things like workshops for educators, they do some amazing work with MIND, uh, working with young people in particular, and they fund community mental well-being projects. So they're the perfect partner for our podcast in general and for this week in particular. So we're going to start this week's podcast and you'll hear me interviewing Ben Levinson. Ben is the head teacher of a primary school with 600 pupils in East London and he's had to manage all the transition for both his staff, his, his teachers, his parents and his kids. It's been a phenomenal task but he's definitely somebody who's up for it and there's so much to learn from him and it's so insightful just to get a window into somebody else's world so I really hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm fortunate and we're fortunate as a school that kind of well-being, emotional health, mental health has absolutely been a core part of what we've done ever, really ever since I got there six years ago. Right. But certainly over the last few years, that's been a core part of what we've done as a school. We talked about focusing on now. You know, I think there was a lot of both focusing forward and focusing backward and throughout this process. So that idea of focusing on what is going on today, tomorrow, was really important. So we talked about that a lot as a team. Practically, we very quickly put in place a very clear rotor for our staff so that we rotated in who was going to be in school when, what people were doing at different points, what that was going to look like so that we gave them some sort of structure and some sort of certainty about what was coming up. And then beyond that, it was very much about supporting people in, in all sorts of different ways. So we've been checking in, my senior team have phoned all of our staff uh, at least once a week just to mm-hmm. have that check in with people and keep with them. All of our guidance about working from home has been about physical exercise, has been about people giving themselves time to take time away from all of this, all of that kind of thing, giving themselves achievable tasks that they can get through in a day. But accepting that everyone's in very different positions yourself you have a young child at home lots of our staff have young children but also all sorts of other things going on in their lives so trying to make that manageable you know we're saying 15 to 20 hours a week ideally when they're working at home they're never going to be able to do a, a normal teaching job so I think all of those things have been really important in terms of giving people a bit of a, a structure and a security I guess in what are such uncertain times. And how have you supported or how have you been thinking about all of the parents? Certainly there some of the people that we've been speaking to for this episode is suddenly parents now have this dual role of often they're still working and they're homeschooling. I think if people didn't appreciate teachers before, certainly they do now. And, you know, lots of my friends are trying to make those two things work. And I think are finding that incredibly difficult. What have you been saying to parents to perhaps try and... I don't know, reassure them or kind of help them through 
suddenly taking on this role of attempting to be anything close to what might be like a teacher. You know, don't worry. Yeah, is ultimately what we said to parents. But I think that's a really, it's a really important point. It's a really important message. We have such a range of parents. We have some who have access to technology, but we have a lot who don't. We have families who don't have access to the internet, who don't have access to any uh, electronic devices, others who maybe have one in the household. You know, we have the highest levels of child homelessness in Newham, highest levels of in-work poverty in Newham. There are some real challenges that our community face. For us, we've really got to think carefully about what we do. So many of our parents have arrived into the country relatively recently. So we have a lot of parents whose levels of English are not fantastic and that's something they're still working on. The most important thing for us as a school has been that the families are okay. They are dealing with so much. There are so many yeah. things that they're dealing with. They do not need additional stress of us saying, you've got to do this. You know, the reality is that educationally, when those children come back, we will close those gaps. We do that all the time. That's what we do as a school. We always have, you know, in any class, you're going to have some children who are doing well, some children who are falling behind. Our job as teachers, our job as educators is to support those children and close those gaps. What's going to be much more difficult for schools to resolve is children coming back who are really stressed, who have had a lot of pressure on them in terms of doing their schoolwork, who've had parents with the best, absolutely the best intentions, um, but not necessarily the knowledge and the skill to be able to execute it, trying to get them to do the stuff that they want them to do, but finding that really hard. You know, so our message to parents has very much been spend time with your kids, you know, wherever you can spend time with your kids, go out in the garden, play in the garden. If you've got access to outdoor space, fantastic, go out in the garden, bake a cake with your child or play a game with them or you sit down and have a chat with them. We've provided a kind of a, a bare minimum of work for them to be doing. So it's there for those children who want to do it, because there are lots of our children who really want to do that. You know, we've provided that for them. But actually, the most important thing for us has been that those family units are, are like I say, stress-free, are, are not being uh, made to feel anxious because of anything that we're asking of them. And, you know, we will do the education bit because that's what we do. And so if somebody is listening now, clearly mental health and caring for your kind of both your kids' mental health, but also the kind of teachers is something, as you said, you've been investing in actually for quite a long time, six years since you arrived at the school and something you're obviously really personally passionate about. What advice would you be giving to kind of people right now, almost regardless of their profession? I think given you've been at the sharp end, I think really of probably what we've all experienced over the past couple of months, what have you personally found has just really helped you? I have suffered from anxiety for a long time. You know, and I, and I think that's been a real journey of discovery for me. So I think I've done a lot of work on understanding myself and understanding what it is that makes me feel certain ways. So, you know, when I was often getting very, very tired, you know, why was that? There's no real reason for it. Well, you know, I work hard and all the rest of it, but there wasn't any real reason for that. I had stomach pains for a while. I had a, you know, an irregular heartbeat. I mean, all sorts of physical manifestations. And I did a lot of work to try and understand why that was. You know, I realised I was a very, actually very anxious, but also a real introvert. I've built a really wonderful group of people around me. And that support network is so crucial. 
both my leadership team at the school who look out for me as much as I look out for them and who will take on all sorts of things for me and who are we have a real trust culture at the school you know there's not really we don't micromanage we don't get in each other's business we're there to support each other we're all in it together but we trust each other to do each other's jobs and I trust them to do their jobs and that takes a lot of pressure off of me you know that support network is crucial and then taking time away you know I'm fortunate in my introverted nature because you know every weekend is a quiet weekend you know I've got a lovely weekend I'm gonna sit out in my garden if the weather's nice it's gonna be quiet with my wife my girls having that time away normally is something I really have to work hard to manufacture and having that peace and quiet is something I have to manufacture because that's an incredibly important part for me of managing it at the moment that's something that's there and quite straightforward found that such a fascinating conversation Sarah when you were talking to Ben he's so insightful and it's such a tough time for schools but he comes across as really open and positive in how he's dealing Mm. with it he's amazing yeah very very lucky to have the chance to talk to him so we're going to move on to another one of our frontline stories now and this is where I talk to Jamie Strachan and Jamie is a consultant in critical care and anesthesia but he's basically spending time with people who've got coronavirus and helping them to get better through it so we thought this was just a very real and relevant story to share with you right now about what Jamie's work looks like and how he's coping through it. Normally in Milton Keynes we have an intensive care which is a bit like a ward and we have 10 beds and we can staff and have the nurses to have six patients in that ward on ventilators so that's our capacity for critical care we have maybe six as a maximum and since coronavirus hit so since March and certainly into April we have had to massively increase our capacity. So we went from having that sort of maximum of six, maybe, which we were seldom at, to having now, I think at our peak, we had 20 ventilated patients. There are less now as we've kind of passed the peak, but it caused on untold disruption just trying to get to that point. And yeah, the changes in the workplace were huge. They weren't just about the numbers of patients, but trying to get enough staff to safely look after the patients training people, cross-skilling people from other environments in the hospital. So a big thing we had to do was move sites because the ward that we were in really wasn't big enough for that. But along with that, my own work pattern massively changed and went from working sort of doing anaesthetic lists and putting people off to sleep thing for theatre and doing critical care as well to just doing critical care in a sort of rotated pattern where I was doing a long day, another long day, having a day off, then doing two night shifts and then having two days off and then going back to that long day. So sort of this kind of six day pattern that will probably sound familiar to anyone that is working in a hospital at the moment, just that huge disruption to the way people normally work. And so something like what you're doing on a day to day basis is changing because there's this increased level mm. of complexity and things to cover The hours you're working and the amount you're working is changing with, you know, just increased amounts of pressure. And you're also a parent of three children. How are you coping with all of that personally? Does it cause stress for you? Do you feel like you're just getting through each day? What does that feel like for you? The massive challenge for me, I think, is those competing demands of home and work and trying to be available physically and emotionally for my children and my family, my wife and just myself is hard when you're kind of giving your all to the kind of effort 
So that has been a big challenge, yeah, balancing those things. Well, it was it's always a challenge, but the kind of big disruption to it makes it a, another big challenge. So my wife, who you know, has done a, an amazing job at keeping the normality of the world for the family and the children. And I've just tried to kind of fit into that. But balancing that with some of the really harrowing stories that I see at work with coming back and just being like, right, kids, you know, what should we do today? That's hard. So... In the context of all of that, the competing demands, the lack of routine, the constant amount of change, what's helping you to work through all of that? It's relationships with other people that help me and probably most people. As a leader in my workplace, as a consultant, you've got to, I have to set a a way of communicating, a way of being that engenders sort of a feeling of safety in what is a really quite frightening environment for many people because frightened of getting coronavirus for yourself or for passing it on to a vulnerable person that you know, your children. So all the staff kind of managing that is the kind of uncertainty of personal protective equipment supply, which has been you know in the news, but a reality. And the other thing that's been quite hard to manage is the information overload that everyone gets, you know, the, the forwarded WhatsApps of this is what you should be doing and how you should be living and just trying to manage that, knowing what to listen to and what not to. So the relationships have helped you and it sounds like you've been helping other people. What else has helped you? So talking to other people about it, working out a kind of way of being in the new normal is a sort of thing where you sort of self-awareness is the key to starting to kind of manage it to understanding the problem but also I kind of had a bit of a moment where you've got to acknowledge that we are our own biggest critic really we're likely to say that what we're doing isn't as good as it should be much more about ourselves than others would so yeah trying to get some perspective about how well you are doing or at the job but just at life as well and maybe a bit of kindness I'm just thinking about the theme of mental health awareness week being kindness maybe there's a bit in there about being a bit kind to yourself uh, during this time yeah I think so yeah being kind to yourself accepting that you're not going to achieve perhaps the standards that you set yourself but that you're still going to have done a good job and being kind to yourself in terms of caring for yourself so you know I, I love cycling I cycle all the time and that sort of had dropped totally off because you know, I used to cycle to work a lot and that became quite difficult with the shift patterns and so it just stopped doing it. So like then I had to work out ways to book all that stuff back in and there are ways to do it. Looking back into kind of how you get a routine and how you are kind to yourself uh, and other people has been helpful. So I think just playing it back and there's three, sounds like there's three key themes, the piece around relationships, the piece around being kind to yourself and also the something around making time for the things that make you feel good, like you mentioned cycling. If people are listening and there aren't going to be many people in your position, there aren't going to be many people working in hospitals, going through all the things that you've gone through in the last two months and experiencing that firsthand and being a parent, but have you got any other advice based on you know what you've learned about yourself and the way that you've had to work that you think might help someone who might also be feeling a bit overwhelmed and struggling with work and change right now? Yep. So I think I had a sort of moment the other night chatting to Mel about 
stress and managing it. And I realized I'm so I came up with this terrible analogy that it's like a funnel where you can take a bit of a bit of a, a knock and a difficult time at work or a story that you've found has particularly affected you normally and manage it with the ways that you manage it. And then when they start to build up, the funnel isn't big enough really to let you manage it. Thinking about that and the things that help you manage it normally, acknowledging when you're overloading the top of the funnel would be something I, I would definitely say would help. And then kind of stick with what you know and what, what you're good at managing yourself. So I am terrible at reading books. I just haven't got the concentration. But I was like, right, I'm feeling stressed. I'm going to try and read. And I just didn't. I couldn't read. I couldn't concentrate on that. I couldn't before and I can't now. So yeah, go to what you know. Don't try and sort of uh, reinvent the wheel just because you think that you ought to. Stick with what, you know, is a tried and tested strategy, I would suggest was helpful for me. Kindness, civility pays itself forward. If you can do that with your colleagues and with yourself and with your family, then that's the start of good things. That was just such a fascinating conversation that Helen's just had with Jamie. I feel like his world is so far away from our world, to be honest. Mm. And yet, actually, there's still so much that we can learn. And it, it does remind me that you can be doing very different things in your day-to-day job, but there are some ideas and some actions that we can all take to look after our mental health right now. And I think what really struck me about Jamie was how calm he is. And I suppose he kind of has to be with such, you know, with how much happens around him. I suppose he has to be that kind of centre of calm. But really, the thing that I'm going to start doing more and just remind myself of is this idea of taking each day as it comes. So a day at a time. And I think that just felt really relevant for us all right now. Next up, you're going to hear me talk to Jo McMoan. Jo is a care home manager, so she runs a care home down in Southampton. Uh, She's been doing it for lots of years, but she's new to her current role. So she'd only been in her current manager role a couple of weeks before coronavirus hit. She has over 100 staff to look after and residents who I think range in age from like 28 to in their 90s. So it's an incredible task and kind of challenge with lots of people feeling very kind of disconnected from their families right now. Like, how do you kind of cope with that? What do you do? Um, And Jo has just got so much wisdom that I know you're all going to really enjoy listening to her and what she's got to say. I joined this particular home about 10, 11 weeks ago. And a couple of weeks later, obviously, this dreadful situation hit all of the care homes and the whole of the nation. So it's been really challenging in lots of ways for me because I just started to build relationships with my team, just starting to build relationships with our lovely residents. So one of the things that we did is we looked at the activities and what could we do to still ensure that our residents got to hear music. For example, karaoke is a wonderful activity (laughs) and everybody in the home loves it. So what we did was we did corridor karaoke and that was a wonderful afternoon. Also FaceTime with families has been key because that's been particularly difficult to manage as a manager because it's getting those times agreed by everybody that's yeah. suitable for everybody to be able to talk to their loved ones. And we've also um, got mobiles on each floor now that are allocated to certain members of staff so families can call in and talk to their loved ones that way as well. What really strikes me just listening to you describe kind of the environment you've created is people like yourself and the people that you work with because you, you know, you've chosen to be in a profession where you're all about kind of helping and supporting other people that then really quickly you've you've kind of found ways to really kind of put those people first. 
What about for yourselves? How have you found kind of managing, kind of looking after your team, especially when it's such a, a new team that, like you say, you've only just started to get to know? As the situation hit, obviously staff were very, very frightened. So putting together information folders, having a communication platform as WhatsApp, being able to share information that was important to them to reassure them that the home was safe, that we were supporting them. If they needed to talk, my door was always open. We've all really, really worked together. Although we have been more fortunate than other care homes in this situation, what has happened is it has enabled us to really pull the team together to have open forum, to be able to talk about our fears and our concerns. And also when they say they're missing their family, for me to say, actually, I'm missing mine because I'm in exactly the same situation. And I think it has pulled us so much closer as a team that now it's like I've always been here. I truly love where I work. I feel truly blessed to be able to work in the residence home. And that's always been my mentality is the fact we work in their home. So all of our carers, if they're at all worried, they will come to the door and they will say to me, Joe, I need to talk about this. And I'm like, right, come and sit down. A spreadsheet can wait. And it's about ensuring that they know that we are there for them. And I'm very fortunate in my management team that they are supportive in all areas and they've all been upskilled, even the admin staff, to support all of the carers and the nurses to be able to deliver a safe and a caring and effective service. So how have you personally found the last sort of couple of months and is there anything that you found has just really helped you to keep that optimism and that positivity that clearly is so important to you to bring to work every day? As you can probably guess by the way I speak, I am a very positive person. I've always loved what I do. I think that has been something that I'm very, very fortunate at. Not everybody can say that in life. But how I tend to get downtime is, is when I'm driving home, that is my time to reflect and evaluate how the day has gone. What could have we done better? What could have we done to support each other that little bit more? Or just think about what has happened I'm an 80s girl, so I do put my music on in the car. And then I get home and I just quite often will just sit and just chat to my husband and just really take my little dog out for a walk. Being in a, a home environment, you, you are inside a lot. So it's making sure that I took my hours exercise every day. But I'm mm. not one that tends to dwell. I'm one that tends to look at the, the positivities that have come out of a difficult day rather than the negativities. And I think that has helped me in my career and and especially in dealing with this situation. But I'm not going to deny to you, quite often at the beginning, I did wonder, because I came from my previous role as a, a nursing home manager, I was there for quite a few years. So coming to a new environment, it was very daunting, and there was a couple of days where I thought, my goodness, what have I done? But I just drew on the strength that I've got in me and my positivity and just thought, do you know what, you can do this. You have to be able to be open, transparent and honest. And when you're struggling, say, I'm not having a good day today. Let's have a coffee. Why don't we talk through what's happened and what could we have done better or what have we learned from this? I think being reflective is a key factor in, in managing well, especially in this day and age. And if, and if people, people listen- are listening right now, so we'll have listeners from potentially all over the world in lots of different kind of styles of job. And I think 
it's probably a particular time where people's mental health is being put under a lot of strain, whether that's people feeling anxious about the uncertainties. It's a hard time to cope and it's not something that people will have kind of necessarily felt before. What advice and just what have you found have been really helpful in terms of just looking after your own mental health that just might be helpful for our listeners to learn from? Realising that none of us are superhuman. It's remembering that we are all in the same boat. We all have the same anxieties and feelings. And it's about not being embarrassed to say, I'm not coping. I need support. I need someone to talk to. I think this situation, albeit it's been absolutely horrific, I think it's made people look into themselves and look at the world around them and realise what's important and it's our loved ones, our family. Quality of life is about saying, I'm okay, I'm not okay, and getting that support and not feeling that you're alone. Mm. It's making sure that you talk, you talk to someone materialistic is nothing but so long as you've got your loved ones and someone around you that you can just confide in that's the most precious gift I feel like I just need to take a bit of a pause um I mean taking on a new role as a manager is hard enough at any time but when you add in doing that in the care sector and then you add in doing it right before covid I mean, how hard must that have been? And to hear Jo talk about what she's doing so brilliantly and all the like small, really positive things like corridor karaoke. I think that sounds fantastic. I think it's just an inspiration to hear people right in the centre of this coping in that way. So next, you're going to hear from somebody else who's right in the centre of this change. And it's um, a lady called June Angelides. And June might not be on the front line in quite the same way as a doctor or, or a teacher, but she's nevertheless experiencing, like many of us, a significant amount of change in how we're managing our work because she is a working parent who now finds herself trying to juggle working from home with homeschooling. Um, and so she's a mum of three and she talks a little bit about how she has dealt with that personally through this time and the ups and downs and what she's learning from her experiences. Work has been impossible to do, if I'm perfectly honest. I think the first two weeks, obviously there was the emotional side of things, trying to get our heads around what was going on. There's that fear, the uncertainty, and then the reality is we still have a portfolio to manage and trying to catch up with them. They're busy, you know, busy frantically trying to organize their businesses and figure out what it means for them. So we're making ourselves available while at the same time trying to figure out how to keep our houses in order and keep the kids away from the panic. So it's been interesting trying to operate in these circumstances. So you've had all these things happening at the same time. So you're, how you work and having to adapt that, both because you're at home and the work has to be done in a slightly different way, managing the emotional health of your family, like three kids who are having to change, and then also trying to put some structures in place so that they are learning and occupied while you're doing all of this. Yes. And I'm just going to have to say a massive clap for all the teachers, because I think none of us fully appreciated how much they do. First of all, there's not enough hours in the day to plan that curriculum. <laughs> and, you know, you're trying to do all that and work and it's just impossible. There's learning year three syllabus, trying to figure out what you can actually teach. Because bear in mind, we're not experts in history and science and math and 
and then trying to get them to listen to you because you're now their teacher as well as their parent. And I think that blurred lines of the roles was one that it took a while for both the kids and us to adjust to. Also making sure that your employers are on the same page and appreciate that your workload has actually changed quite a lot. You're the cook, you're the mental health worker at home because you're trying to keep the peace and you're trying to initiate an environment where there's calm given the chaos outside. And you're still wanting you're wanting to be a productive worker. You want to not appear to be struggling, but you are. And finding that balance that it takes time. In listening to you there, so much of what you've said is about other people. It's about helping the children and being a productive worker. How have you looked after you in all of that? I mean, that's a good question. The first two to three weeks, I can't pretend it, it was tough. And I think I was quite vocal about it. Thankfully, I've learned over the years that there's just no point bottling up. So I spoke to people and I was, you know, advised to check out Calm, spoke to friends who've battled anxiety. And I think it's important that the more we share what we're going through, it's sort of, you know, problem shared is problem half solved, isn't it? So yeah, using calm and, you know, just taking time at the end of the day for myself, making sure I have some fresh air, cooking food that I enjoy eating, speaking to family more now than ever, you know, calling my grandma all the way in Nigeria, video calls with her, just making sure I stay connected to my loved ones has been really, really helpful. What else have you like learned about yourself over over the last two months as you've been going through this? Has it made you realise anything about your abilities or your strengths or your struggles? Absolutely. I think initially I thought I was going to crumble. I didn't think I would survive week three mentally. I just thought... I would be nervous about everything. And somehow I have managed to turn that around and just find the joy in the little things. And, you know, my kids have really surprised me. They have been so resilient, so happy, just learning to enjoy each other's company. It's really shown me that why don't we just slow down, take it one day at a time. And that really has been the massive mindset shift that has made it a lot more enjoyable. And I have to say, I'm actually enjoying it now. It has turned into this period of self-discovery. I am doing more things that I, I had been putting sort of on the back burner for a while of, you know, just learning more about myself. And I guess I'm more resilient than I thought I was. And I think that's been nice to find out. Are there any final tips? I know we've talked about connections. We've talked about that time with family, healthy habits. Are there any other tips that you've got for anyone who's listening? And maybe they haven't quite reached the point of the curve that you're on right now, where you feel like you're coming through it. It feels like you're, you know, getting to a really good place. Anything else that you think could help somebody listening who might also be struggling with work and homeschooling and just finding it really tough right now? I think the key is to just keep that communication open. If it's at work, you know, speak to your employer, help them to help you share what you need. It might be as simple as adjusting your hours. And I think on the flip side, the employers hopefully will be understanding and won't lead that to mean a you know reduction in pay because that's not what people need at this point. I think it's just that permission to do what they can. And I think everyone knows this is a temporary situation. 
appreciating all the effort they've put in over the years and knowing that this is not going to last forever, but giving people space to not feel bad, to fail, permission to fail, I think almost is okay. And I think finding joy in the little things, I think, you know, it started, you know, this journey for me with cooking and all of us looking forward to our family meal together. That was the highlight of our day. And slowly we just continued practicing gratitude. I think just start with the little things, even if it's just waking up and smiling, waking up and standing outside your front door and just feeling the sun on your face, just learn to be grateful for those little things. And I think eventually, you know, they say practice makes perfect. We learn to be happy. It's going to be a journey that we're, we're all on this journey together. So thank you so much to everybody who's listened to today's episode. Um, It's one that we're incredibly proud of and we really do appreciate each of the guests taking the time to talk to us at a time where they have lots of other things going on in their lives. It felt like a real privilege. And I have to say, I think it's the closest I've come to tears Mm. on the podcast. I hope it is going to be fine because people like that doing those kind of roles honestly left me with so much hope that we can move forward together and everyone can be really kind of kind and thoughtful. And actually that's the theme for Mental Health Awareness Week is around kindness, which just couldn't feel more right at the moment. So our next episode of the podcast is actually an Ask the Expert interview. And this is part of our six-part series that we're doing, focusing on skills that we think are particularly relevant to the world of work right now to help you be at your best, but also to take care of your mental health. And the next episode is me interviewing Rich Pearson. And Rich is a co-founder of a company called Headspace, which is a mindfulness and meditation app that many of you might have heard of or tried. And he talks in a really practical and realistic way about kind of meditation, why it matters to all of us and how we can all get started. So a really useful episode to perhaps have a listen to. They're only 10 minutes and they're kind of full of actions that you can take. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram at AmazingIf, where Helen does some brilliant uh, daily career tips over on stories. And we share lots of the work that we're doing, the work we've got coming up. And you can always email us at getintouch@amazingif.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye.